ever since I saw that note on your <laughs> your your notes, I was just thinking about the Org thirteen like Finstas and like how uh, like and like Xehanort or Zemnis is obviously just like you you know just reposting like screenshots from his LinkedIn, uh, and it's just like full text. And it's just like you know very little engagement. Um, but like Marluxia is obviously doing very like artsy nature stuff, and Syx is has like you know has several fake instas is, is always like starting shit and drama and vague blogging about his exes um but like of course ienzo is just showing his titties non-stop Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And my taste in men is embarrassing. And this week, we celebrate Scorpio season once again with the end of our Kingdom Hearts franchise recap with Kingdom Hearts 3. Before we stir, spice, and make four separate people out of boy soup, remember you can help us on Mortified, the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Also, since this is the Scorpio season episode, which means it's both of our birthdays sometime around now, uh, please share this podcast with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes, and tweet nice things at us at, like we said, MortifiedPod. Thanks! Layla. Aaron. In February of this year, we made the fateful choice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We made the fateful choice to talk about one of our shared, beloved franchises, Kingdom Hearts. It is now November of the same year, uh, after literally months of reviewing Kingdom Hearts games, we've come to the end. Well. 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 uh, (laughs) We do have to revisit Union Cross uh, for the 20th anniversary, and there's definitely more games coming out. So, you know, mm-hmm. end in quotation marks. I don't know. It definitely feels like it should have been an end. If, if they had cut that final cutscene a couple seconds shorter earlier, you know, maybe maybe we could have put this franchise to bed. But um, we are going to talk about uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, it's also our Scorpio season special, so we are both drinking alcohol. Um, so... This is probably an episode for more veteran listeners of Mortified. That's not to, um, you know, dissuade new people from listening, especially if you love the Kingdom Hearts franchise. But this one is going to be a little bit uh, loosey-goosey. So keep that in mind. We don't don't normally drink on Mortified. In fact, we never drink on Mortified. Um, Neither of us really drink all that much as people. No, like, really, really we don't. Yeah, this is going to be a weird one. Um... You know, if you if this isn't your cup of tea, by all means, you know, just just leave us a rating and and, and we'll see you next week. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this this one's going to be a lot. Uh, I'm sure you listeners know more than we do right now looking at the timestamp on your podcast player. Uh, but uh, it might be it might be a chunky one. We'll see. Uh, but Layla, do you want to try to summarize the plot of Kingdom Hearts 3? <laughs> I'm going to finish my glass of wine first. That's fine. You're going to need it. Kingdom Hearts 3 
picks up pretty immediately after Dream Drop Distance with Sora and Riku still reporting to Yen Sid. Sora still does not have the power of waking, which is the problem. Power of waking is the power to wake up sleeping worlds that were not restored after Ansem was defeated in Kingdom Hearts 1. Kyrie and Axel slash Lee, Axel and Lee are the same person, are off training in a hashtag secret forest. They're there almost the whole time to enjoy some plot slash audience favoritism armor, respectively. As with all core Kingdom Hearts titles, Sora travels around worlds in order to regain the power of waking and also be a pain in the ass for the real, capital R, Organization 13, as they try to gather their 13 darknesses to turn into Xehanorts and seven new hearts so they can summon the Keyblade, key spelled C-H-I, and restart the Keyblade Wars. Meanwhile, some of the human again, Organization 13 members, not the capital R, real Organization 13, the first Organization 13, um, that are good guys now are working on making replicas so they can bring back Roxas and Naminé, who are lost in boy soup. Um, Mickey and Riku almost get stuck in the realm of darkness trying to find Aqua, who rightfully points out that Mickey fucking abandoned her and he never apologizes. And then in a moment of crisis, Riku summons Sora with his heart and the two summon the gay blade in order to save both Mickey and Aqua. Aqua removes Ventus from Sora's boy soup and wakes him up just in time to tell Vanitas to fuck off. The battle culminates at the Keyblade graveyard, where at first everyone kind of dies, and Sora has to go to heaven, where Chirithi is a benevolent cat god. Chirithi is a dream eater. So he looks like a little cat. It's very cute. Um, he's great. Uh, once Sora recollects all the pieces of himself, literally, the group returns to the site of their deaths. But this time, Terra's willpower trapped in his armor comes to help, and the Guardian reveals himself to be the actual lad. All assembled, the group is now poised for the final battle. Xehanort summons Kingdom Hearts, which is a big heart moon, and has to be fought over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until he reveals that what he's gunning for is a turn the universe off and back on again situation so that people can just be made of light again because I guess they're corrupt and evil. Um, Ericus emerges from Terra's boy soup. Ericus, remember, the master of Terra, Aqua, and Ventus. And then takes his boyfriend, Xehanort, tenderly to the afterlife. And that's the base game of Kingdom Hearts 3. Aaron, would you like to try to tackle uh, the DLC Remind? I would not, but I'm going to, uh, because you did such a great job recapping Kingdom Hearts 3. Remind tells the story of what happens to Sora after the events of Kingdom Hearts 3. Immediately after. Hours after. He hasn't even had a nap yet. So in Kingdom Hearts 3, at the end, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers... It is revealed that Sora... So Xehanort killed Kairi, um, and Kairi, you know, has to be restored by Sora. So Sora has to travel through several points of light to restore her. Um, And this tells the story of, like, how Sora went and did that. Um, And the way that he did that is by traveling through people's hearts and memories, and it sort of shows in between what happened in the time lapse of Sora, like, going back and trying to figure out where like going back and, and and like the point where the guardian comes back or not the guardian but Terra's armor comes back Sora like travels back to before that point and helps like you know change time so that way everything goes good instead of getting you know the the places where like everybody gets killed um and then 
So he goes through everybody's hearts and finds these pieces of Kyrie that were sealed away in the lights of the good guys, I guess. I don't know. Um, anyway, he and Kyrie finally team up, and you finally get to play as Kyrie, and you fight Xehanort with Sora, which is very cool. Um, but basically, it's a bunch of boss fights, and they add a bunch of lore that doesn't really help. I would argue it makes Kingdom Hearts worse, and at the very end... Uh, there's some bad choices that are made with regards to where all the characters end up. Um, it, I don't think either Layla or I liked it, um, but we'll talk about Remind at the end. Let's talk about the good game first. Yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about, you know, if you've followed this series, which are, uh, statistics say that not many of you have and Which that's okay <laughs> um you know that we have a character matrix um that we've been developing and um aaron i don't think you've made too many changes to my rank draft rankings i had a couple but otherwise yeah not not very many changes great do you wanna do you wanna start us off should we start from the left yes i think so or- i noticed Let's build up to the left. Yeah, I think that's good. Okay, uh, great. So let's start from the right. You've added a new column, which is, they sure were there. Um, <laughs> characters include Zaldin and Lexeus, uh, Maleficent and Pete, and I just put Phil in there from the Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> from, from the Hercules world, because his character is in there, but for whatever reason, they couldn't find a voice actor for Phil, so he's just standing there silent the whole episode, which is really good. <laughs> which is funny, because ironic, because Phil is usually uh, very chatty. Yes, he talks constantly. Um, so Maleficent and Pete, you know, Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty, Pete from, I guess, the original Mickey Mouse cartoons, uh, they're hunting for a box. And they basically show up at the end of every world and they're like, uh, no box here. Um, that's all they do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they sure, they sure were there. Um, our next column is, uh, very easy. It's our Mickey Mouse column. Uh, and, uh, Michael Mouse is in the column. Uh, he still sucks shit. Yeah, he sucks. Uh, he did definitely make Aqua live in hell for 10 years. And, and never just, apologized! Just didn't bring it up. And, like, I mean, he, he apologizes to, like, Riku. He's like, I feel so bad about leaving Aqua in darkness hell for 10 years. And Riku's like, yeah, well, you know, oops. Yeah, <laughs> sucks. Yeah, daisy but never, never apologizes. Fucking Michael Mouse never apologizes to Aqua, and Sora never fucking thanks Namine. Yeah, so... You know, he, he learns it from the king. Uh, in the fuck off column, uh, you know, fan favorite. Uh, of course, we have Diz slash Ansem the Wise, who does show up in this game for some fucking reason. Um, he does some research. The thing that I hate the most about this is that, like, when Namine is restored to, uh, to a human, like, a, a vessel body, like, she, she gets to be her own person. Uh, the first thing she sees is, like, Ienzo and Ansem the Wise, like, in a lab. And, like, that's the worst possible outcome for Namine is, like, being revived. I'm like, oh, this motherfucker again. I cannot believe this is what's happening to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a fucking tragedy if I've ever heard of one. The next in our fuck-off column is uh, Yen Sid, who is only useful for five minutes. He does a cool magic thing in the middle of a very fun boss fight. Or not boss fight, but, like, just waves of Heartless are coming down on the, the Guardians of Light. Uh, he does, like, a cool, like, magic part part the Red Sea sort of deal. Um, but the rest of the time, he's just like, Sora, why don't you just get the power of waking? It's not that hard. 
that's it. Your impressions are getting better by the day. I don't um, think that was a good impression. I, I, thought, that was, I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, now, listeners, uh, you'll know that I make my names very topical uh, when I introduce myself in the beginning of this podcast. Uh, my name is Layla, but today it was that my taste in men is embarrassing. And uh, that comes from, if you don't follow me uh, and Aaron on Twitter, which you should, but whatever. Um, I did leave a note uh, that the next contender in our fuck off column, Marluxia, uh, who is in our fuck off column, um, is hot. And Aaron left a comment in my G drive that says, your taste in men is embarrassing. And it was maybe the most devastating thing that my good, good friend of at least three years has said to me. It's just... The only more embarrassing person you could have chosen was, like, probably Luxord. That's true. He does look like a Las Vegas magician, though. <laughs> but you described Marluxia as, like, a guy you would have been into in art school, which I was just like, Layla, you have to do better for yourself. Hey, now, I made very bad decisions in art school, and I fessed up to that, and that's why I said that, and it is a bad decision. And you know what? When I was watching Remind yesterday, I was like... I really gotta look. Like, do I think he's hot, or is it just the scythe? And I hate to tell you, I just think he's hot. Ugh, I, I don't get it. I truly don't. Um, I, I mean, he sucks. Yeah, he, really bad. <laughs> he, he's terrible. like, I'm gonna help uh, Mother Gothel from Tangled, but like, the Tangled world is wild, and we'll get into it in a bit. But he, like, it seems like he mind controls her into being evil when she was also evil the whole time. Uh, so very strange choice of Marluxia in this world. Do you know what it is? It's, um, for me, it's the Karama complex from Yu Yu Hakusho, where, like, it, you know, it's the flower petals and the aesthetic, and it's just, you I mean, know, even I, the same hair. Exactly. So I can't really, you know, it's, it's genetically coded in me at this point that uh, I will find that archetype of man, uh, no matter how much he sucks, kind of hot. Um, That's fair. I do... I can pleasantly report that uh, the next contender in our fuck off column uh, is all the Xehanorts, and I find none of them hot. Yeah, I mean, one of them is also a child, so that's very good. But um, oh, yeah. one of them is also like a 90 year old man. So, you know, uh, you don't. Here's the here's the thing. You uh-huh. put um, w- one of the things in your notes was uh, like Ansem Seeker of Husbands. And I want you to explain <laughs> that. <laughs> Because it seems like maybe you don't find all the Xehanorts that unattractive. No, you're right. I do find Ansem very hot. Um, Ansemness when he's not talking. But, like... <laughs> it's... Listen. Ansem Seeker of Husband is just a pun on Ansem Seeker of Darkness. And uh, something I wasn't going to say out loud because I didn't want to seem as uh, thirsty as I probably am. Um, but, yes, one of my... Uh, I made a list at the top of my notes that did say name contenders, which were things I was intending on calling myself in the intro until Aaron devastated me in seven words or less. Um, and Ansem Seeker of Husband was a play on words and also myself. <sighs> anyway, those are the bad guys and they're bad. Uh, Zigbar is just kind of annoying the whole time, but also he has been, he's like an immortal being who's been following the Keyblade Wars for centuries, I guess. Yeah, that's what it uh, seems like. He has the box Maleficent and Pete are looking for. Yeah, it's that's weird. That's important. Um, Vanitas is just kind of an asshole. God, that's fuck his whole character. Vanitas. When Sully 
Sully Sullenberger from Monsters, Inc. picks up Vanitas and just yeets him. It's the most satisfying moment in the game. It's really good. I think that's kind of on purpose. I think they give Vanitas this, like, annoying, shitty monologue about how, like, him and Sora are brothers, and he's like, come back to me, my brother, and we can create the Keyblade, and he's, like, being really edgy and stupid. Um, and oh, then yeah. he's Sully talking to Ventus like, through Sora, I think. Yes, exactly. He he calls out to Ventus. Um, but then, yeah, Sully does just absolutely just throw him through a whole door, and it kicks ass. Yeah. Uh... And that's, uh, oh, sorry, at the bottom of our fuck-off column is Ericus. Remember Ericus who um, tried to kill Ventus, uh, his student, uh, and then tried to kill Terra, his student, and then hid his heart inside Terra, and then at the very end of this game is like, okay, so I know my ex-boyfriend did kind of try to end the world, and I feel terrible about that. But what if we just snuck off to heaven right now and we can leave this all behind us? And then they do. So fuck off, Ericus. Yeah, he sucks, except for the fact that he is voiced by Mark Hamill, <laughs> who we love. Thank you. <laughs> so, thank you, Mr. Hamill. Uh, thank you, Mr. Hamill, for uh, doing unhinged projects constantly. Um, now we move on to our, our middle column, which is deserved better. And who is at the top of that column? It's always going to be Kyrie. Yes. Uh, not only does Kyrie get fridged in this game, um, twice! but then <laughs> twice. Um, it's it's just so bad. Setsuya um, I, I, Nomura is pathologically incapable of doing women right. Um, fucking sucks. I don't have to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, it's except for Larkseen. I think Larkseen gets to be fun. Um, yes, but, but we don't get enough of her, frankly. That's true. <laughs> Which, speaking of Larkseen, the next people in our column are Vex and Demix and Larkseen. <laughs> yeah, the interesting members of Org 13 that just don't get enough time. Like, there's a very fun bit in Remind where Demix is like, uh, I'm explaining the very convoluted plot of this. I don't get it either. I don't really care. Anyway, Demix time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> he says Demix time, and both me and Aaron in our notes were like that fucking rules it's very good god it's so good honestly like okay so Demix, i have a i you i have a long-standing beef with um okay from... is it because of his boss fight absolutely yeah it's, uh, it's tough his boss fight in kingdom hearts 2 i i listen i remember this with clarity because kingdom hearts 2 did not have a skip cutscene option get to Demix's boss fight you have to watch a kind of a long cutscene. it took me 12 tries oh my god I had to watch that cutscene 12 times. So I have hated that motherfucker since 2006. But at Kingdom Hearts 3, he really grew on me. He is so stupid and so <laughs> funny. He's great. He's just like, oh, they benched me. They don't even want me to be one of the darknesses. I'm just here. <laughs> Which is like, so, so that funny. Makes me, that makes me the perfect candidate to betray everyone and just do what I think is hilarious. Which uh, I he love. Kicks ass. Uh, next up. Riku Replica, as he is apparently formally called. Okay, so in Chain of Memories, uh, they make a clone of Riku uh, to torment Sora, and he's in love with Namine. Uh, and when he is killed, he goes back into Riku's heart, uh, and then he just kind of lives there, well, and then he shows up in this game. Half of him. Okay, yes, because also Riku Replica does show up later on in this game, the evil version of him. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're talking about the good version of Evo Riku Replica, of course. Yeah, of course. We're talking about uh, 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 Repliku with the golden glow is the mm-hmm. one we're talking about. He mm-hmm. deserved better. I thought he he was lovely and uh, a sweet little teen who has a lot of wisdom and foresight from all the shit he's done and gets to talk to his older self, which is something I think a lot of us dream of doing is, is talking to our younger or older selves. Um, he deserved a lot better for sure. Absolutely. I mean, like, the, his best part is, like, where they, like, destroy the evil R- Riku replica, uh, and then he takes the evil R- Riku replica to heaven. Uh, Say and Riku he... replica ten times fast. <laughs> yes. I can't. I will die. But um, he does leave the body behind for Naminé, and he, like, fulfills his character arc by being like, I, I'm going to, you know, forego my ability to be in this world and be my own person because I love Naminé so much. And you know what? Like, that's pretty good. All right. Yeah, um, I mean, it's good except for the fact that they are trying to set up um, that Riku Prime Mm -hmm. is like a nominate endgame option, um, which Which, is wild. We'll talk about it We've had that conversation about how like Sora and Riku are going to get hetero married to like other people and then they're going to have little clone babies of them. They're specifically going to get married to Kairi and nominate who are the same fucking person technically. And then they're going to sit on the beach. They're going to sit on the beach and they're going to hold hands and talk mm-hmm. about their memories and we're going to mm-hmm. and then their wives are going to call them home because they're buzzkills. Yes. If that cutscene doesn't happen, um I will eat my shoe. Kingdom Hearts what 8 probably. Yeah. <laughs> when we're 95 years old. Yeah, we're going to be dead by then, so you know, eating the shoe won't be that hard, but um That's true. I see you put it Saix on deserve better, which I think is a very interesting choice. I did also say he's on thin ice. Yes, please explain. So Saix gets uh, quite a bit of development in this game. Uh, I think we talked about in 358 over 2 about how him and uh, Axel have like very intense boyfriend energy um, or ex-boyfriend energy. It is palpable in this one. It's a lot. Um, I think we see Saix struggle a little bit in this one um, between fulfilling the organization's mission and then also revealing his motivation between do- b- motivation behind doing that which is um that he was just jealous that axel left him behind um and i thought that was really interesting because so much of these games relies on interpersonal relationships uh and I do, I do think he deserved a little bit more. Um, I do like that. So there's a cutscene. Um, the basically the ending of the the base game is all of the characters um, like playing frisbee on Destiny Islands, and it's really sweet. There is at the top of our outline is a screenshot of Saix, Axel, Roxas, Shion, and the three kids from Twilight Town all sitting together and eating sea salt ice cream. And I thought that was very sweet that he gets to like come back into the fold um it's nice it's more development that i expected out of him and i kind of wish i had a little more there is also a bit in remind that some of the youtube comments pointed out but like there's a bit when like shion is like trying to recover her memories and she's still under the organization's control you know a uh, fucking number i or whatever oh, um, Lord. and like he notices that she responds to the names Axel and Roxas, so he he starts saying them more often, and he like he is like even though he is like half Xehanort at that point, he is still trying to like resonate with Shion and get her to turn, which like he is trying to he is trying to do g- good, which like you know I, I think he deserves a, a gold star for that. Absolutely, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Next um, one, <laughs> dicey, right? <laughs> Literally dicey, huh? <laughs> this is our Vegas Gambler Luxor, and you put on the deserve better column. 
he tells Sora he wants to play with him once he's human again. I think that 99% of Luxord's entire identity is dog shit, except for that line, which absolutely rules. So his whole thing is like he wants to, he plays card games. His boss fight, you know, is a card game in Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, but at the very last bit, when he's finally killed by Sora, I mean, he's fading away. Uh, he's like, oh, you know, um, you were born for these sorts of games of chance. And then he gives Sora a wild card, which never comes up again. Uh, I hope that comes up in like Kingdom Hearts, like a side game, some wild way. I can't 6. wait for 9. that. 6. Yeah, for sure. Yes, Kingdom Hearts 69. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, um, but like, I would love for Luxor, but like there's this, there's this bit where Luxor is, is like, you know, or Sora's like, you know, let's play again sometime when we're just guys. <laughs> and then he's like, I would like that very much, Sora. And like, that gets me so much. Just like, ugh, the nobodies are just people and they just want to have connections just like everybody else in Kingdom Hearts. And like, I'm already fucking crying because I that know. <laughs> Honestly, like, if you're me. nice to Sora, it, it turns your whole character arc around. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just also in the same very this very same fight when Sora defeats Larxene he's like you can you're gonna be recompleted it's gonna be great and she's like I didn't ask for your garbage opinion which <laughs> owns uh it's, it's very good is so fucking good um she was she also says I was just along for the ride I'm like that rules I love you so much yeah. um do I talk about our final deserve better contender because you have been her stand this whole time yeah, I mean, fucking long-time listeners will know that I made her the fucking protagonist-antagonist of our interstitial game. Uh, Naminé... Naminé gets screwed so badly in this game. She only appears in the final cutscene, but she also appears as a bodiless star in the final world. And, like, I missed her during my playthrough um, because, like, the stars are see-through, so you can't see them. Um, unless you walk around into special areas, so I didn't get to talk to Nominate in the entire game. But, like, she doesn't show up until the end, and like we said, the first thing she sees is fucking Ansem the Wise, who imprisoned her for a year, um, and doesn't think she's a person. And, like, ugh, I just... I wish we... Nominate is such a rich, interesting character, and they just don't do anything with, it, with her, and it sucks. Yeah, um... If you if you refer to Shion or Namine as it or witch or jail, puppet, yeah, no, yeah, just crime. You you could stay in the dark realm. Get out of here. Jail for eternity. Um, next column, our best boys. Hell yeah. Uh, we got our trio. We got that SDG that Sora, Donald, Goofy. Donald, who is by the way canonically the most powerful magician in all of the Final Fantasy universe. Yes, so let's explain that real quick. Um, when they are fighting um, Terrazarinort the first time, um, Terrazarinort just starts fucking wrecking them. Like, he basically kills, like, half of the team by himself. Uh, and Donald, to stop his, like, bloodbath, has to call upon the power of uh, Zeta Flare, which, if you know anything about Final Fantasy spells, they, like, use, like, they would say, like, Fire, and then Fyra, and then Firaga. Uh, they have, like, a weird, like, you know, um, etymological naming system. Um, and so like when you're using, so the, the, the prefix Zeta, you know, is, is the letter Z in, in, you know, the Greek alphabet. So like you could probably go with Omega flare, but like, you know, it is implied that like Zeta is the last letter, um, which like 
does state like because like in in like i want to say final fantasy 7 or 8 there is somebody who uses uh you know an omega uh, flare or something but either way it, it is clear that like donald has a, a spell that is orders of magnitude stronger than like the strongest boss in a final fantasy game uh and, and he kills terra xehanort he just straight up kills terra xehanort with the spell it does kill donald duck donald duck does die in this game and not in the same way that goofy dies in kingdom hearts 2 um because goofy gets knocked out but he comes back donald dies uh they have to go back in time to resurrect him donald duck died in kingdom hearts 3 and we need to we just we need to be explicitly clear about that yeah, and uh, that is the timeline we go back to in Remind also. <laughs> Sora does watch Donald die twice, which is very funny. <sighs> Riku. My sweet, sweet little emo fucking piece of shit idiot. <laughs> I love this asshole so much even though he's paired with mickey like half the time he still gets great lines like you pointed out there's this bit where you know mickey's like oh well don't worry about aqua she's like sora and riku's like oh no (laughs) (laughs) and then mickey and then mickey's like no no no, like she's strong like sora is not a complete idiot (laughs) yeah not dumb like sora which was the subtext in that conversation (laughs) yeah riku's really great um I am, God, you know, every time I think about this game, I do have to think about the end game of this franchise, which, I don't know, we'll talk about it, because there is something we've been overlooking this entire time, as I told you when we were talking before this recording, and I'll bring it up later, but it is, like... It's a lot to think about Riku and Sora's relationship and how much development both of them get and how Riku has progressed from our, I think, from our fuck off column to the best boy column um, and all the development he gets and how much work he puts in. And I don't know. Listen, I'm a bottle of wine deep. So real talk. As somebody who was kind of a shitheel for a lot of her life and who has put in just a ton of work into not being a shitheel, I love Riku very much. And it does sting a little tiny bit that within the trio he's going to get shafted, even though he's like a hero of many of these games. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come back to that because I'm interested to hear your further thoughts. Um axel slash lee but really axel um, god he's also hot i'll forgive axel axel is meant to be liked (laughs) and he's meant to be you know an attractive young man he Um, refers to it like six times in this very self-aware game (laughs) axel is also like not is not the audience surrogate he's not an audience surrogate he is a fan surrogate because he knows what is happening at every time. He's just, like, making fun of the stupidity of this game. And I just love that from him. He also says shit like, uh, uh, what is it, like, you don't even know how many people I've got rooting for me. He gets revived yeah. because he's a fan favorite. It's very mm-hmm. funny. I love him yes, very much. no one acts as Axel. Um, no one acts as Axel, baby. They give him a keyblade. It's great. Um, he has some, just some of the best moments in this game are when he reunites with Roxas and Shion and they all hug. Um, oh my god, ass. whoever rigged these faces, Axel's, Roxas's, Shion's, Riku's, Nobel Peace Prize. Nobel Peace Prize. They These boys were rigged to cry. And they cry, certainly. Um, Vendis and Terra, speaking of crying boys, um, they're great. <laughs> a, a son and his father. <laughs> yeah, I mean... 
you know, of course, the the most famous Terra moment of this game is when we get the reveal that the you know this big heartless like guardian that's been floating behind uh, Xehanort the whole whole time. Um, is actually Terra's heart like trapped in darkness and he pulls the bandages off of his face it fucking ruled the first time I saw that I probably yelled I probably scared the shit out of my cats because I was so thrilled to see that because it, it ju- it's just incredible you've put Ienzo on here which is a very interesting choice because Zexion and Chain of Memories just fucking sucked <laughs> yeah he does suck shit so um I do think he gets he has the most how do I say this potent turn to the light side like he is the one most committed to uh hanging out with chip and dale all day Mm -hmm. um that's true (laughs) he goes from being like you know uh, a tenured professor at a university to literally taking orders from some chipmunks and like he's doing that as repentance and you know what i respect that yenzo that fucking rules i think half the reason he's on here is because uh listeners i do have a theory my theory is that um so the loading screens in this game are like instagram captions or instagram screenshots which are very very funny and if you've used the app instagram ever you know that you can have a close friends list which so like only people on that list see certain stories that you post stories being um they like disappear after 24 hours um I do think he posts thirst traps on his close friends. Yeah, he 100% does. Uh, I just, ever since I saw that note on your <laughs> your your notes, <laughs> I was just thinking about the Org 13, like, Finstas, and, like, how, uh, like, Anth- like Xehanort, or Xemnas is obviously just, like, you, you know, just reposting, like, screenshots from his LinkedIn. Uh, oh, it's sure. just, like, full text. It's just, like, you know, very little engagement. Um... But, like, Marluxia is obviously doing very, like, artsy nature stuff. And Syx is, has, like, you know, has several fake instas, is, is always, like, starting shit in drama and vague blogging about his exes. Um, but, like, of course, Ienzo is just showing his titties nonstop. Deadass, my theory is that the real factions in Org 13 have nothing to do with, like, your thoughts on the mission, but it's, like, people Syx has dated and hooked up with, and then the ones he hasn't. Mm-hmm. I think that's the real division. Everybody who has dated Syx and then broken up with him is just like, no, we have to, we have to form a union against this man. <laughs> and then the final best boy. Woody from Toy Story. So here's the thing. If you follow um, fucking Wario64 on Twitter, every time Kingdom Hearts goes on sale, you'll see Wario64 posts a screenshot of Woody from this game. Um, And it's because Woody has such a great, so many great lines in this game. He he tells young Xehanort, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't care. I think that no one's ever loved you, and you should shut up and just let me see my friend now. And it kicks ass. Woody has a fantastic monologue, and it is so fucking good, and we'll talk about the worlds and, like, the best of, worst of, but, like, truly, Toy Box is exactly what Kingdom Hearts should always be, and Woody fucking rules in it, so it's great. Uh, we, I did add one more column, mm-hmm. and I think, given that you didn't delete it, you support me in my addition. It's fine. <laughs> the one character to rule them all. Fucking Aqua. Yeah, I mean, Aqua kicks ass. Uh, she was left in turbo hell for 10 years, and, um, you know, 
she does try to kill Mickey Mouse, and I do have to respect her for that. Aqua belongs in Best Boys. Aqua belongs in Deserves Better. And for that reason, she just gets her own spot. You know, I love her so much. It is unspeakable. I love her little Final Fantasy outfit. I love her vibe. I love that she's competent. I love that when they go to rescue Ventus, she locks Sora and Donald and Goofy out of the fight because she's like, fuck you. I got beef with Vanitas. I'm going to show you what I've made of, even though I just woke up from an evil nap. I've been in hell for 10 years and I've been out of it for four hours. I'm going to kick this little man's ass. And you know what? She almost does. And I respect it. I I love Aqua. I think she's perfect. She's the epitome of what this franchise should be. Yes, Aqua's great. We, I mean, we, I don't know if you all could tell this over our fucking, you know, seven different Kingdom Hearts episodes, but like, it's really the, the OC characters, the Final Fantasy, like Disney blend characters that make this franchise. And Aqua is, is absolutely one of the best of them. Honestly, as somebody who's been working on a story for three years, I'm like, Aaron, I'm sure you can relate, right? Like, you have brain worms about shit you've created. The longer you live with something, the more, like, freedom you have with it and the more you kind of get to live in that world. So, like, of course it makes sense that, you know, Kingdom Hearts 1 is the greatest hits of PS2, you know, like it's really like it, it made a ton of money, but it really makes sense that like as you traverse through this franchise and you get more trust from Disney and you get more recognition from the fandoms and, you know, you have these like super longstanding fans like us, you know, like 20 years of fandom, you kind of get a little more freedom. It really is true that a lot of these more Final Fantasy-esque fa- characters are truer to the heart of this story and it you know i don't know how you feel about this but to me i think sora is the perfect protagonist from for kingdom hearts because he's so stupid he's stupid <laughs> but he's he's got a good heart and like that's all you need is somebody who is trying he's an anime protagonist he's not very smart but he does his best and he makes friends and like that's you know that's naruto that's gom that's luffy that's every fucking shonen antagonist or protagonist and we we have to respect him I think one of Kingdom Hearts 3's greatest strengths is acknowledging that, mm-hmm. is coming through and saying that, and literally, I think Riku at one point verbatim says, like, one of Sora's greatest superpowers is making friends with anyone he meets. Mm-hmm. And that's Sora, right? Like, it's so important that he does that in order to connect all of these characters. And, you know, as wild as Kingdom Hearts can be, I think that's his, like, key charm, which yes. is... A great segue, if you don't mind my drunk ass saying that, um, into saying that uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 is truly the best of times and truly the worst of times. Yeah, I mean, there's some real uh, clunkers in this one, um, notably the ones that have full on music videos in them. But uh, also, like you said, Kingdom Hearts 3, because of some of the great implementation, specifically of Toy Box and Monstropolis, is, like, a classic in in the franchise, like, instantly. It it crushes it 
and also fails on, on a lot of levels. Yeah, so let's talk about the clunkers first, because I just think that's a trend. We like to end on an up note. Um, so let's talk about Arendelle and Corona. Okay. So Arendelle and Corona, you know Frozen and Tangled, right? Uh, they're super weird, and we've been making jokes about it throughout our entire Kingdom Hearts conversation since we started in February, but like there i think we have to start with the music videos because like it kind of sets the framework for the entire world which is like they play both the entirety of let it go from frozen and also um i don't i don't think it's for the first time in forever but they do do a scene from from um what's it called tangled where where she's like oh i'm a terrible oh i oh this is so much fun and it's, it is um uh when will my life begin they do like the the indecisiveness okay. yeah okay yes um they they do these things that are just straight up like shot for shot remakes of the thing in the in the show um except with sora donald and goofy in the background being like is this is this okay I don't know what that was, but wow. <laughs> um, and it's it's so weird and shows how weirdly protective Disney is of some of its IP in a way that abs that just like really hurts what what Kingdom Hearts is all about. Right. So like Frozen, just to I would say Frozen is the worst of times, right? Like absolutely one hundred percent because like it's- from a game design perspective, it's miserable. Right. So if you boil down Frozen to its core components, as you said, game design just it couldn't do anything. Well, well, tell them what tell them what they you do in the Frozen world. Right. Exactly. So it's you, you literally your whole goal the entire time is to get to Elsa, not talk to her, not do anything. It's to get to her. You cannot. Your literal entire gameplay is on the mountainside. You cannot go inside the ice castle you can't go inside arendelle you can't uh do anything other than get close to elsa and then get knocked back it should also be pointed out that your only real companion that you get is marshmallow the big evil snowman that protects elsa so not a character that can have any real dialogue with you and when you so i make a point of going back to get all the lucky uh lucky emblems which are the hidden mickeys throughout all the worlds that unlock the um what you find out is riku's dream um it's the secret cutscene at the end of kingdom hearts 3 uh you have to go back and get all these like hidden mickeys throughout the worlds and when you log back into arendelle in order to get them you literally appear in front of the ice castle that you can't get into with all of the characters that are not your companions standing in a line in front of you. It is so controlled. It is so tight. It is so literally the only thing that gives this world any meaning, any light, any fun is Larkseen being a drama queen. Yes, Larkseen saved this world. We should be on a hand on our hands and knees just like thanking Larkseen for adding anything to this world, for just being just being like, you complete idiot. I can't believe you don't remember me. I kicked your ass so many times in the past. Uh, literally. And, <laughs> literally. Um But like, yeah, like the thing is like 
Marshmallow, you know, despite the fact that, like, he can't talk, is still the most emotive and, like, human character in Arendelle, right? Because Anna and uh, her boyfriend, uh, Kristoff, yes, just, like, are like, oh, they, you know, I literally just met this spiky-haired kid, but he seems fine. I Like, we don't really get a montage where, like, Sora, like, builds trust and, like, relationship and, like, becomes their friend like we do in, like, most Kingdom Hearts Disney worlds where, like, he, you know wins them over and they're like oh yeah we like this guy they're just like oh well he seems you know i trust him he seems like he's met elsa and he's cool i mean marshmallow at least is like okay i you know i'm gonna go meet my mom god or whatever and like you know there there's bits where you know marshmallow like shows emotion and like cares about things and has motivations that beyond just like I don't know, like, I guess everybody's technically motivated by Elsa in this one, but I just don't, I just think Marshmallow does it more effectively, and Frozen, like, the Frozen characters are just following the beats of the story, like, fucking Hans shows up in this for 30 seconds, but, like, for no reason, he's, no lines, like, if you haven't watched Frozen, you have no context for it, and it doesn't work. Yeah, I think that's actually a really great transition into Corona and its issues, because if you haven't watched Tangled, you have no context for what happens in Corona. I didn't even notice it the first time I played because I was playing in such like a fervor, you know, like it's a game you've been waiting for for 14 years. Just like you, I went for the midnight release. I bought it. I played it on my roommate's PS4. Like it was just this whole like. I can't even describe it, just this fever dream of an experience of finally expecting some closure, expecting something of this world that I've been invested in for most of my life, right? So it's just insane when you play it a couple years after the fact, right, soberly, like looking for, I specifically replayed it for this podcast, right? So I replayed it in order to have gotten kind of a ta- uh, tactile feel for for what this game actually is. And it's, the, cu- the cutscenes they use are so out of context. You don't even get why Mother Gothel is after Rapunzel. You don't understand the entire Festival of Lights thing, where Flynn Rider is coming from. It's all of the uh, key beats of Tangled removed from their actual story. So if you've never seen the movie, it's very confusing. And like you said earlier um, in our recording, it does seem like Marluxia is mind-controlling Mother Gothel, who is just evil on her own. It's so strange, right? Because, like, it appears to be, like, there's even a sequence where her eyes, like, turn, like, you know, pinkish, you know, purple, like, like Marluxia's hair. And, and, like, you know, she, that from then on, she starts, like, trying to help, you know, the nobodies and, and trying to, to make Rapunzel go back home. But, like, you know, that's the whole point of Tangled is that, like, she's been imprisoning Rapunzel, you know, to, who, you know, kidnapped her from her family the whole time. And, like... We get a little bit of that. We get a, you know, we get a voiceover narration. We don't even get, like, figures on the screen explaining that Mother Gothel's evil. Um, it doesn't make any sense. And, like, it, it, like you said, it excises all of the context and just puts in, like, the narrative beats. Like, when when Flynn Rider tells, um, what's her name? Fucking Rapunzel. Um, that his real name is Eugene. We don't get that scene we don't get any narrative heft to it because, like, Sora has more chemistry with Rapunzel than Rapunzel has with anyone, like, else in, in the game. Like, she doesn't really talk to Flynn Rider um, because, like, it's mostly Sora, like, 
palling around with her, which you pointed out in your notes, like, kind of rules, right? Corona, I think, is better than Arendelle because of that stuff that, like, you can, like, explore the the big old forest that's outside of the tower and, like, interact with them. And, like, you get rewarded with, like, fun cutscenes. Um, if, if Sora does all these things with Rapunzel, like, you know, go play in the, the like, splash in the lake and, like, mess with, uh, excuse me, dandelions and birds and shit. Like, that's really cool. And I, you know, that, that's a good game design in my opinion, but like, uh, like, I don't care that Flynn Rider's name is Eugene and they make a whole point of him being like, oh yeah, my real name's Eugene. And then she's like, oh, but I thought that was a secret just for us. And then he's like, oh, well, I have plenty of Fitzherberty secrets just for you. And it's like, sir, you're 30, she's 18. It's like, like you said, it's just missing so many of the key beats. And it's so close to the point because it, the gameplay itself rewards you with that item if you're nice to Rapunzel, but it doesn't give you any of the context of the rest of the story. So it's this really weird middle ground of being a world that's really not that fun to a world that is kind of fun i think our middle ground worlds would include um a really bizarre one which is the caribbean yes it's pirates like i i don't think either of us are johnny depp defenders in any way um i think in many ways johnny depp is the worst part uh our fucking what's his name jack sparrow is the worst part of those worlds i think it's very boring we should note that the Jack Sparrow voiced um, voice rather in these games is not Johnny no. Depp. They didn't get any of the original voice actors, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, uh, like we 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 don't like Johnny Depp here. We know he's an abuser. You know, fuck off, Johnny Depp. But like, they include the Pirates of the Caribbean world, which like is has like some kind of good stuff. Like there is a whole pirate ship mini game which like uh, assassin's creed black flag is one of my favorite assassin's creeds like you know open worlds are are a complicated problem in games right now but like i am unfortunately one of those people who loves open worlds and black flag is one of those so like the assassin's creed or the the caribbean like mini game where you drive a ship around in a kingdom hearts world really worked for me in a lot of ways and i thought that was fun but also then we get shit like hashtag crabs so like (laughs) i don't know (laughs) so to be clear what that implies is so again uh, the loading screams are like instagram filters right or instagram screenshots rather um hashtag crabs refers to the fact that uh Uh, Tia Dolma, um, who is a character in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, replaces the real Jack Sparrow with a replica of Jack Sparrow made of crabs. Um, But hashtag crabs is just really wild to put under one of them. It's really funny. Um, But like, I, I love that world specifically, though, because there's... You know, every Kingdom Hearts world has to match the aesthetic of the movie that it's taking place in. And so Kingdom Hearts 3 renders Sora, Donald, and Goofy as hyper-realistically as they can. They try to make them look like real people. And, like, the humans look like real humans. Like, it, you know, I find it difficult to tell whether or not those are actors or not. Like, I think it's very well done. But then you see Donald Duck standing next to fucking (laughs) Orlando Bloom. And it's like, all right. All right, you lost me here. <laughs> so a Twitter I would recommend you guys follow is at K 
KH Frames, Kingdom Hearts Frames, which is a Twitter Aaron and I both follow. Um, mm-hmm. It's just random frames from Kingdom Hearts. But they did do an event recently where they took requests, and one of them is Sora beating the shit out of Davy Jones because this poor boy just watched someone get stabbed in a franchise that works so hard to avoid violence that its main weapon is a blade that's a key and doesn't draw blood he watches someone get physically knife stabbed and has to cope with that so it is wild um but it is like a pretty middle ground world for what we're talking about um and i think that means we get to talk about the two absolutely fucking apex worlds in this entire franchise. Let's start with Monstropolis because I think Tor- Toy Box is number one. Absolutely. Um, we get Monsters Inc. And like, it does everything right, right? It doesn't go through the same beats as Monsters Inc. the movie does, right? In we fact, get it right- takes place afterwards. Yes, it's it's like a post Monsters Inc. So like we get Sully being like I, I'm the CEO now, and we get Mike Wazowski being like his advisor, and like they're like having a play date with Boo when Sora and Donald and Goofy roll up. But like, firstly, they they show up and they like draw their weapons against each other, and they're like, "Hey, what the fuck?" And like they're all monsterified, and it's so funny and it's so cute, and they're like, "Whoa, why are we all monsters? What is what's going on with this world?" And like, that's what makes Kingdom Hearts rule. Uh, and it just gets, it just, it's just great. Like, you know, Randall, I don't think Randall is incredible in this, but he's fine. He's completely fine. He's what a Kingdom Hearts villain should be. Yeah, exactly. And I think to that point, right, so like 1.4 Arendelle is that a big part of Kingdom Hearts is that Donald's magic changes Sora, Donald, and Goofy to fit within the worlds that they go to in order to not be like, hey, by the way, there's an apocalypse coming. Um, And in Arendelle, Sora's like, I am cold. (laughs) It is cold here. I am from an island. I'm freezing. Why don't I have a coat? And it's this very, you know, potent moment of Donald being like, that's not how the magic works because... Elsa disrupting the climate is unusual. So Mm. you're off to this like super strong start that never really pays off. And in Monster's Sake, it's really funny because they all look at each other like, ah, holy shit. (laughs) I don't recognize you at all. What the fuck? (laughs) It's really good. Donald literally has one eye. Oh, and they make such good use of that because they make Boo, the little kid, call call Donald Duck Mike Wazowski. And Mike Wazowski's like, no, that's not, that's, that's not him. That That's me. Um, and he's just like so exasperated. Monsters Inc. Is, is such a good world. They do so many cool like puzzles of them like trying to get through the factory. There's like lasers, like the, all sorts of mo- like machinery. You have to ride on the doors for a little mini game. That's fun. Um, one of my favorite touches is that like to make Boo laugh because the laughter in this game is an important mechanic to like power the the energy in, in the factory that Mount Mike and Sully go into a painting room and they get different like paint textures. So they come out and they're, they're like have this like, like purple and like blue paint job on them and they look very silly and they keep that in gameplay for like 10 minutes and it's pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, like, first of all, Randall, true capitalist, by the, uh, you know, meaning that he wants to go back to a more inefficient power structure because it benefits him personally at Exxon. <laughs> um, but it is really sweet, you know, in, in exactly the sense that you mentioned, like, Sora treats Boo as a person, right? He gives her the goofy face special or whatever. He makes a funny face for her to laugh to get more power. And that's like the core of who Sora is. It's just like a good kid. And it's truly just like such a sweet world. It's so interesting. It's so good. It makes such a use of what the world is in an inventive way. And like we said in the beginning, Sully just like... Yeets Valinas into the nether space, which is so good because the best of Kingdom Hearts is when these Disney characters interact with this insane anime world in an earnest way, which is Boy Box is the apex of what Kingdom Hearts could and should be. Toy Box is like maybe the best kingdom hearts world in the entire franchise absolutely 100 um, percent. so you know you've seen fucking toy story right um but like <laughs> i should hope so there's four of them <laughs> there's so many i've only seen like two of them but like toy box has you start at andy's house you know sora shows up and like they all look like toys so like okay great good they have a different start but toy box actually starts with an in-game advertisement for final fantasy 13 (laughs) it's so good because dino or rex sorry his name's rex right yes rex confuses sora for yozora who is a character within Final Fantasy 13 and spoiler alert in Remind is a pivotal character for the next installment. Mhm. Yozora's going to be in Kingdom Hearts 4, uh which is great. Love that. Um but like yeah, as the story progresses, you know, they go to they like run down a street, which is very interesting to have Sora be like a little, you know, like, you know, action figure size. That's really cool. Excuse me. But then they they go to a toy shop, which is like such a cool world because they they really take I don't know if there's a toy shop in King, uh, Toy Story three or four, but like they really take that idea and, and really play with it because like they're like okay let's go to like what would a toy shop look like in the Toy Story world if all the toys are alive I think that's actually in Toy Story two for a little bit but like they introduce mechs immediately and they're like okay yeah the heartless could pilot the toy mechs and make them come alive and it rules and it's very fun to like not only fight a mech but also put sora in a mech as a toy and like fight other toys it's really fun and cool and then they like they do a lot with the you know the kingdom hearts bullshit with like young xehanort splits the toy story world in half what yeah, so, like, to be clear, the whole premise of Toy Box is that the toys are waiting for Annie, Andy to come home, but he's not going to because they're running experiments on hearts by splitting the toy world and the real world in twain. And fucking Sora arrives in the toy world. And honestly, like, after the whole thing, right, so they go through, exactly as you said, right, they go through this whole thing where they go to the toy store and the mechs are 
sick. You can get in one of three types of mechs. Um, it's like whatever your play style is. And then you go to a game within a game. You fight a giant Lolita doll, which is honestly genuinely kind of scary. It's and the scariest thing in any Kingdom Hearts game. You also find a toad choir, which I think is really great. <laughs> they make Woody play it by running physically on like a record player. It's so cute. <laughs> Um, we're probably going to criticize Kingdom Hearts 3 a lot here in the next couple minutes, but, like, truly, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 is, you know, I think Kingdom Hearts 2 is still the best. This is my second favorite Kingdom Hearts game, so, like, you know, we we criticize it because we love it, um, and we truly do love it, and, like, stuff like Monstropolis and Toy Box are, are evidence of the fact that, like, Kingdom Hearts is a fucking good franchise. Yeah, um, I, th- I think it's been, um, pretty consistent in this podcast that we're both fans of franchises that try something kingdom hearts tries so many things and every time it tries it tries so hard you know this might be just like drunk honesty i'm like a bottle and a half of wine deep it's so important to me it's so good it's so it's such a springboard for people our age and, you know, I don't think our series of reviews is ever meant to people to get to playing it. If that's if, you know, if, if you listen to our podcast and you're like, yeah, I want to try this game. I think it's great. But this is really self-indulgent for us, right? I mean, yeah, this is our Scorpio season episode <laughs> where we're getting drunk talking about Kingdom Hearts. Like, it cannot be more self-indulgent. And like... Real talk, I think it's, I'm, I'm so honored to, like, share this moment with you of, like, just loose chatting about something we genuinely love as somebody who, like, you're such a good storyteller, and you're so earnest in all your efforts, and you're so smart, and I'm so grateful to have gotten to know you. So I think this is so appropriate, and, you know, if, if, if Nomura tried to make a story about connections if this isn't the purpose of it what is exactly exactly right uh, King- kingdom hearts is is everything that you know a young teenager needs and wants and i think it gave it to us in in in, in spades and we have to thank it for that despite its flaws um and, and the thing is that like kingdom hearts is very aware of its well, it's not until this game, weirdly, right? This is the most self-aware Kingdom Hearts game ever. Yes. <laughs> Holy right, shit. Right, it opens with Kingdom Hearts 2.9, right? Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Just a jab at its own stupid titles. Like, it it knows what it's doing. Yeah, as a franchise, that is Kingdom Hearts 1, Chain of Memories 2, uh, Dream Drop Distance, 358 over two days, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8, Kingdom Hearts, what is it? there's 2.7, Recoded, right? Recoded, um, you know, Union Cross. Union, there's a bunch Union Cross! Like birth by Sleep, like, come on! Come <laughs> the fuck on! When I saw 2.9, I physically reacted right this game takes that like you can you can tell that like kingdom hearts has been affected by the internet at this point like you know even dream drop distance which came out in 2016 did not like or 2015 i don't remember but like did not have the reactivity like did not have the level of being tapped into the fan base this one does 
We see that in Axel, you know, just like kind of being the the fan surrogate. We see that in Sora's interactions with Donald, just like constantly like joking with each other. I, I think that Sora and Donald's interactions in this one like really solidify the basis of their friendship, right? Because Sora is just like, yeah, uh, I guess I just have four hearts in me. And, and Donald's just like, yeah, well, that, that makes sense because you can't fucking count. And he's like, that's not related, but I guess. Um, and it's like, yes, of course, of course, Sora and Donald Duck, who have apparently been in co-workers for four years, are just like joking and making fun of each other. And like, yeah. That's what makes Kingdom Hearts fucking rule. It's just... Like, we shit on this franchise a lot for its technicalities, right? Especially for its treatment of women. We're gonna talk about the ending here in a bit, so don't worry about it uh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> but it is... I don't know. I think it's, I think it's really... It, it tries to get at the core of the importance of memory and friendships in such an earnest way it is so lasting and it is so good yeah yeah i mean like i've been watching uh, a playthrough of um metal gear solid um and like you see the ways in which um fucking kojima like tries to get his ideology or like the message he's trying to put through for his games like it's not subtle it's very clear it's very straightforward and like even even kojima seems subtle in comparison to kingdom hearts but it's just like my friends are my power <laughs> i need you to understand this and like that's that's good you know sometimes i'm an idiot who doesn't understand subtext just tell me uh and i love that about kingdom hearts uh it's great um like uh, I, you know, everything with Axel is very good. Also, just being like, okay, this franchise is stupid. Axel might as well have said like, this franchise is very stupid and the lore is bad. Uh, just like I, I wish he had because that would have been less. Uh, that would have been more subtle than what he actually does, which is like looks at Ventus and looks at Roxas is like those two are the same person. I don't understand that. Now you're telling me that Sora's got like three more hearts in him and they're all connected in some way, and we also have to for for which a keyblade which is not a keyblade but a kai blade and you know this is a crazy amount to get memorized and that's my catchphrase and like ugh, i love it it's great it's good it it's is good really game. great um and i mean like i think that's a great segue into one of our talking points which is just like the level of fan service that kingdom hearts 3 indulges in um like you said axel literally only becomes a keyblade wielder because people love him so much um, and there's a lot of really great character moments that also you've brought up, like Donald and Sora's interactions, um, that are really just there because the fandom has latched onto these, like, truly organic dynamics and has brought them to life in a way that the then creators can, you know, um, kind of feed from and, and put into the game. Um, that being said... <laughs> so it's yeah what were you gonna say no go ahead please so sora and riku right so one mm -hmm. like riku summons sora into the mm -hmm. realm of darkness right i so remember they have this a yes combo attack yes the gay blade yes um when we say gay blade it has a heart on the end yeah you hold the heart to hold the sword uh-huh <laughs> So in Remind, 
Kyrie or get a combo attack. I'll tell you. Doesn't have a heart in it. It's cool. It's a pair of angel wings. They each get like a cool shoulder that's that's angel wings, and I love that shit, but there are not romantic overtones. <laughs> no, there are not. Um how do you feel about the, I guess, the self-awareness of the base game versus the self-awareness of Remind? Right. The base game is self-aware in a way that is good, right? The game is poking fun at itself. It is punching up. It is being like, hey, you all are fans. You are not playing this game if you're not a fan of this franchise. Like, listen, you you understand this the the silliness that's going on, going on here and you love it. And we're going to give that to you. Remind is like the rise of skywalker of kingdom hearts in which it's like oh you all pointed out all the plot holes in our other movies i guess we have to dutifully go through and be like okay well i guess technically we didn't see nominee's heart get unlocked by sora you know you know using Kyrie to to reveal her nobody heart so we have to do a two seconds cutscene showing that when we could have just been like yeah i guess that makes sense and like that's what i hate about remind it's just like all the stuff that like we could have just been like, okay, sure, whatever. You know, it's Kingdom Hearts, nothing makes sense. We didn't have to see it. And, like, it just shows us all that, and it's not done in a way that is interesting or novel or or, or fun, even. It's just like, okay, here's 13 boss fights. Have a good time, I guess. Um, But, yeah, I just... I Remind is so frustrating because of the ways that it does not, you know, celebrate the franchise, but it is going back over those points where it's just like okay yeah we get it i guess we didn't technically show exactly how the the one vessel got transported to another and i just i just think remind is very boring i mean it physically makes you go back through a bunch of the story points right it just picks up at as we said in the beginning the place where tara and Sarah's armor gets summoned, and you're like, okay, yeah, fine. If you don't know how it got there, like, nominee summoned it, I guess. Sure. I think, so as I've been kind of foreshadowing, I think the point that we're, you made a point in your notes, um, which is that God, the, the, the X that yes. Roxas, Ven- uh, Roxas, Shion, and Axel need to reclaim from Semnos, right? So, like, in Kingdom mm-hmm. Hearts 2, we see Roxas's name get scrambled from Sora's to include the X. And the X is the, quote-unquote, source of their bond. In order for Remind to make sense, so Sora traverses to Roxas's heart. Roxas needs to reclaim the X for him and Shion and Axel so that they have the satisfaction of owning the source of their bond before it disappears. That's kind of how I read it. Um, The thing we are overlooking is that in an interview, Tetsuya Nomura had, or Tetsuya Nomura said that, um, Basically, his goal is to make the games so confusing that you can't predict what happens next. I think when I saw that X, I remembered that quote. I cannot tell you how much shit I just let go in that moment. I mean, I think that's the right response, right? Because, like, 
okay like sometimes on tumblr i'll see posts about how like the marvel cinematic universe like their tv shows will like get rewrites in the middle like responding to audience reactions um and like that sucks right it's like oh if if we're not being surprising enough then we're not writing well enough and like that's just not true right like stories are supposed to in my opinion if they're not not necessarily predictable but like if you do not understand the beats that are leading up to somebody making an an action or like something that contributes to another narrative like i think that is very important because like that's that's what storytelling is like literally in high school i was taught like you need to have three three things recur in a story for it to be considered a theme otherwise it's not a story right and like you know i don't necessarily subscribe to that but I think it's so stupid when people are just like, we need to make sure that our stories are surprising. The most important thing is that the audience is surprised. That's that's very boring to me. I think I've come to terms with the fact that this there's no way this is going to end in a satisfying way. And too much has changed in contrast with the fact that too much is ingrained. And too much is expected and too much is not expected for it to end in a way that's going to make anyone but a very tiny subset happy. Um, but we're in it for the long haul anyway. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, not only is it a extremely, you know, Disney IP heavy brand, but also it's one that is just saddled with, you know, decades of lore at this point. Uh, listen. You know, I I think that we know how Nomura treats women. Like, I don't think anybody who is, like, a a fan of Kingdom Hearts expects to be happy with the end of any Kingdom Hearts game. Like, I think we'll have our fingers crossed, but, like, it's a big franchise that's piloted by somebody who has not treated their characters well in the past and has so so many threads to tie up and continues to unspool even more thread for no reason whatsoever. Like... If Kingdom Hearts ever ends in our lifetimes, I don't think we're going to see, you know, I think what's most likely, unfortunately, is that they're going to, you know, eventually, generationally, Kingdom Hearts will lose interest in, you know, young people and they'll just stop making them. And we'll just get like one game that's like, oh, and then, you know, Sora and Riku's grandchildren are about to do some new adventure and we'll never get figure out what that is. But like... You talked about Diaspora earlier, you talked about storytelling and the ways in which we, you know give import to narratives i think that you know as people who are from diaspora backgrounds we have to find the value in narratives that are sort of fragmented and interesting in our own ways and i think that you know i don't want to say that kingdom hearts is like perfect for diaspora children but like i i think that any sort of franchise in which you you know is is built by a corporation is built by teams of people that are just trying to sell another product you know we have to take what we can get from these things that are meaningful to us and make our own meaning from them and be like yes i know this is flawed i know this is imperfect and frankly parts of it are actively harmful (laughs) but i still love these parts and i think that's what's going to happen with us in kingdom hearts is we're going to be like this was so important to us and i love this bit and this bit and this bit and that i will carry that with me in my heart until i die and you know what if I can ever make a, a media property that has that value to literally one person, I will have been so proud of myself yeah, as a creator. I think that's the thing we can take away from this. 
is, you know, I made a promise to myself that as soon as I get my first video game job, that the first tattoo I'm going to get is a Kingdom Hearts tattoo. Because every time I hear that dearly beloved refrain, I'm like tearing up now just having this conversation. <laughs> but every time I hear that dearly beloved refrain, I do tear up and I get really emotional. And it's that thing. If there's anything you're going to take away from this conversation, there's anything that you know the like 15 of you or so are gonna are gonna have it's okay to like things that aren't perfect the point of telling stories is to learn from and as storytellers ourselves we're going to tell imperfect stories that we've learned from imperfect sources and we're going to hope that imperfect storytellers in the future are going to learn from the things that we say and that's the human experience and i think for as goofy and weird as kingdom hearts is i think it's the core of it right is just this as we said lightly misogynistic um just kind of wild <laughs> incongruent narrative but it's so important so many people and you know, every August 13th, you see images of Axel and Roxas pop up. And I think that's awesome that that there's a story that people can take and make their own. And like, yeah, it sucks shit that the end of this franchise is going to go out with a whimper and not with a bang. Uh, though, honestly, we don't even know that, right? Like, we're guessing. Um, yeah. Who knows? But God, are we gonna live with the memory of like there are bugs in him? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Kingdom Hearts has given us a lot, even unintentionally, and we have to be grateful for that. Um, Layla, what do you think is gonna happen in Kingdom Hearts Four? <laughs> I think it's gonna be another dream drop distance, baby. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I think it seems extremely likely that there is some sort of dreaming bullshit going on, because Riku is in a different world than Sora. Sora is in the fucking Shibuya of the World Ends With You, apparently fighting uh, goddamn, uh, what's his name? Yozora. He's fighting Yozora. Uh, and, like... Who is trying to save yes, him? Yes, who is trying to save him, but also doesn't look like the he actually does, right? There's some sort of magic that is obscuring their true form, which is some real bullshit. Um... And, like, Riku is just, like, in an alternate universe trying to figure out what's going on with Sora because, of course, he is. And it's just like, all right, whatever. Kingdom Hearts 4 is going to be incomprehensible and nightmarish, and we're going to love every moment of it. And I cannot wait. I Every month I go and check, like, and see if there's new Kingdom Hearts 4 news. And I'm just like, ah, one of these days. God damn it, I love this stupid franchise. It's, uh, it's very, it's a good franchise. I don't know what to tell you. Now... You love to ask us questions. This is a framework that we pursue throughout this podcast. Um, Aaron, do you think that Kingdom Hearts 3 did what it set out to accomplish? I mean, yeah, I really do. Because, like, it tries to wrap up all the narrative threads of all the other games. And, like, it is messy. It's not good, right? Like, the lore doesn't make any goddamn sense. And, like, but, you know... 
except for the Kyrie bit and Sora disappearing at the end, they really did wrap it up. They're just like, okay, everybody gets their happy ending and they all get to have cool beach parties. And like, you know, there is a part of me that's like, I just wish that we had ended on Sora and Kyrie holding hands and that was it. And Sora didn't disappear and go into the fucking, you know, go into actual Tokyo. Um, but like, I, you know, I think Kingdom Hearts 3 absolutely does achieve what it's set up to accomplish, which is like, this is the end of the Xehanort story. This is the end of, you know, all these weird, stupid lore threads. They all converge on the single point and we get a final battle and Sora and Donald and Goofy, you know, tackle Xehanort and together through the power of their friendship defeat him. And like, that's what Kingdom Hearts is about, which, you know what, that that's that's pretty darn good. Yeah, I I mean, I don't even have anything to add. Honestly, it's just, man, we're going to be with this for as long as it takes. Simple and clean, baby. Um, simple and clean. And hey, Aaron, I mean, like, is this, is any of this real? Or not. Or not. <laughs> oh. Man. <laughs> Listeners, we're asking whether or not any of this is real or not. Uh <laughs> God, like, like, where, where can listeners find us on the internet? <laughs> you can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter and Tumblr, where I draw and um, write essays occasionally. And honestly, if you want a webcomic that's sort of like Kingdom Hearts in the friendship sense, but where the uh, queer pairing actually ends up together... Uh, my webcomic Astral Heart is returning sometime soon. I'm finalizing some designs and rewrites. Um, so check that out. Aaron, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL. You can listen to the other podcasts I do at The Bible Boys. Tomorrow we will be recording an episode about the fourth entry in the God's Not Dead franchise, God's Not Dead, We the People, which I watched uh, this afternoon. And... Um, I am. This is Scorpio season, baby. I'm at the apex of my power. Can't wait to talk about that. No, he does mean that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the notes and the words are very good. Uh, it's incredible. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmakers Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Yeah, and uh, you know what? Apparently at this point, everyone fucking knows everyone, and this is an insane amount to get memorized! Oh, ain't that the truth. Listeners, we'll see you next week with a slightly... (laughs) We'll see you, Lexius. We'll see you, Lexius, uh, (laughs) with a slightly more hinged episode. Uh, Thank you for your time.